You guys don't know how excited I am. In all the years that I've been bringing the word of the Lord, this is my first Easter. I know. A woman preaching at Easter, that's it. Oh, we're full. I didn't know. I'm just joking. That was a joke. Teasing. Don't you guys love that we have the full expression of what God has here? Women, children, men, all together. We believe that everyone, I mean, we're here and we saw a seven-month-old baby bring bring joy. You know, we've had, you know, more mature members come in and, and... give their testimony of healing. Um, so I think, I just love that we realize that every every human, every person, God's like, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, and you can add to the kingdom. How good is that? So, all right, well, today we're going to talk about Jesus. Yeah, is that a good topic for church? Jesus, come on. So we're going to talk about Calvary. We're going to talk about inheritance. I love um, what Matt gave. I'm like, man, we could just go, you know what? That was a great word that just encouraged me. Like, you know, four feet difference, just one side to the other. God is saying, you know what? It doesn't end here. There's always more. So, all right. Well, when we look at Easter, we expect to hear, I'm, I promise I will give you you know, part of that scripture, but sometimes we expect a certain service of how it should be, and God's like, I'm in it every single day with you. If you know me, every day is about Calvary and, be, and, and the stone being rolled away. Every single day. Not just, not just on Easter or at Christmas, but he's saying every single day. Because everything that was taken from us Everything in in heaven, Jesus died and brought back into his possession. And then he gave it to us. Everything. Everything that was in... I mean, he had all of heaven. And he gave that to us. And because of the cross, what he did on the cross, you know, we kind of owe him our trust. I mean, he gave everything on, you know, on the earth. And in heaven, to us, we owe him our trust. You know, that we choose him, that, that we love him. When we come, that, that is what he earned on that cross. Because he gave us everything. We should trust. We have to trust him. Which is hard, because we like to trust ourselves. We like to trust what we know. We like to trust what we can touch and what we can control. It's easier to trust things we can control, Right? Well, I should refer. It's easier to trust things we think we can control. Because you've probably heard me say it before. You know, the only person you can control is yourself. And that's only on a good day. You wake up tired, you're going to have a hard day controlling yourself. If you wake up hungry, you're going to have a hard day controlling yourself. So, he's saying, trust me. That's what I'm asking. I went to the cross, you know... Before you, you know, your parents or their parents even knew you were a thought for you. I've got this. I've got this figured out. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. It's the middle that kind of gets us. You know, we can quote, you know, God's the Alpha. He's the Omega. You know, it's all going to work out. But it's that middle part that we actually live life where disappointments tend to come in. Sometimes... Even in the body of Christ, we have these bad church experiences or we have bad theology and it begins to kill our dreams. 
we begin to forget what Jesus really did. And all these other things seem to just come in there and begin to cloud what's going on. But Christ went to that cross so we could have a hope and a destiny. Because everything kind of falls apart without hope. If you've ever met a hopeless person, you will know it. He said, I'm giving you a hope in a future. And I just want to um, kind of take a minute. You guys are too quiet today. I'm not dancing. I got heels on. Come on. Let's let, you know, we didn't do no sunrise service here, people. Come on. We waited till 10 a.m. Do you know that God is fun? I mean, I love having fun, and he created me. Where'd that come from? That's right. So I want to think about when we have these these bad experiences with church, we have these bad experiences with life, don't make it your life sentence. Don't be like, well, I got hurt. Well, when you get hurt, what happens is... Um, you get injured, and then you go, and you get, go into recovery, and it begins to heal. It heals. Don't keep sitting there and be like, I'm hurt. Injuries heal. Everybody's been hurt. Don't keep ripping the Band-Aid off, and, and don't keep cutting yourself back open. Don't make it a life sentence that you were hurt, and that's where you got to live the rest of your life. Because that's not true. God says he's a healer. That means internally, externally. It doesn't have to be that life sentence. You know, we go to church and we say, well, somebody hurt me. Yes, I bet you they did. Because we are human. And, you know, our flesh doesn't want to submit to the Spirit of God. That's obvious, right? You ever been stuck, stuck in traffic or, or someone is smacking their gum around you? Like you're like, oh, Jesus, someone opening a mint in church behind you. And you're like, oh, Jesus, this minute you're like, I'm going to rip that out of your hand. Stop. You know, I mean, just little things that maybe some of us have. And just because it might affect us. You know, I want my, you know, it's about me. Actually, it's not, but we'll get into that later. Um, so when we come to church, the reason that it seems like, some are successful in the body of Christ and some just really struggle is because when we come together as a community, as a body, we have to come realizing that we have something to give and receive. If we're only coming to receive, if we're coming and saying, well, I'm only going to this church or I'm only going here with these people because, you know, they have the best worship and they have comfy seats and they have really great coffee and you know what, they're always out in, you know, 59 minutes so I can go home and do what I really want to do. That's not what it's about. We come and we give because God's like, I'm sending you there because you have something for the person sitting next to you today. We are servants of the Most High God too. You know, we heard some, me and my husband were listening to this thing and it said we're becoming obese Christians as in we like to get fed and everything keeps coming in. What do you got for me, Jesus? What do you got for me? Oh, more, more, more. And he's like, and what's going out? Is it so comfortable to be together? Because, no, you know, we, can't, we don't accept the broken people, the people that Jesus is like, come on. Let them in. They're going to be hurtful. They're going to do things that you're like, well, we don't do that in church. Or at least we don't talk about it, right? And Jesus is like, no, that's what I want. I want that. I want them to come in. I want you to bring, you know, the good parts of you and the broken parts. Because, you know, I want the things that have been broken, the dreams that have been stolen, I want them to be restored. I want you to dream again. I mean, when you're little, you have all these dreams. 
You're like, I'm going to rule the world. Did you know that? You know? Like, when your kids are little, they're like, you know, I'm going to be a doctor and a teacher and a mom. If you had girls, I mean, if you had boys and a dad. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a millionaire. You should see my house that I'm going to live in. You know, and us as adults are like, okay, wait till the bills come in. You know, we're thinking, and we start, you know, we're like, okay, you know, I, I, I believe in unicorns and I'm going to have one in Rive. And you're like, hmm. You know, but we have all these dreams. And they, you ever see little kids, they invent things. Like they they take things and no one's told them this doesn't work or that won't work. So we just, we encourage them to try things. You know, in the back of our head, we've already been beat down. We've already been broken. And, you know, we're thinking, well, that's not going to work. But see, we're not, we're not going to say that over them. And then all of a sudden it does work for them. Things, you know, they're like, oh, I created this. Because that's the way God made us. He wanted us to have dreams. Jesus went so that our dreams could be fulfilled. He wants us to have that hope and think, there's something I want to do with my life. I'm here for a reason. God has a purpose. I'm valuable. Every person wants to know they're valuable. Every person. Even if they say they don't, they do. We want people to notice us. Some of us more than others, right? Some of us will be like, you aren't going to ignore me. Other people tend to hide a little bit because they, they think that they're not as important. But God's like, oh no, you are valuable. So we have these dreams, and especially when we're little, they just seem to, we have a dream for everything. And we can think, we didn't know that there was a box that people are going to put us in at one point. How many of you guys have been in a box before that you're like, I can't get out of here, like this is, this is my life and this is how it is. And that's what begins to happen. We grow up and we realize, well, this is as good as it's going to get. Nothing's ever going to change, you know. Well, I'm never going to be able to do this. You know, that was just a fantasy, you know. i got to grow up and i got to go to work and that's my life is go to work, go home, go to work, go home. That's it. And we begin to, like, our dreams begin to die. That we have to, we have to experience loss. We have to, we have to experience all these bad moments. You know, people say, oh, when they're teens, they got to be rebellious. No, they do not. That's not true. My girls are not rebellious. Do they have rebellious moments? Yes. But, you know, we don't have that teen teen angst. My daughter, I took her to a singing competition on Thursday, and there was all these people backstage, all these teenagers, and they were, like, talking about how they didn't like their moms. Like, oh, my mom's just this, and, oh, she's always doing this. And Layla turns around to all of them. She's like, I don't know what kind of moms you guys have, but I love my mom. She's the best thing. And when I'm singing, the only thing I'm looking at is my mom. See, because it's not true. We don't have to believe that lie. We don't have to let the enemy steal that and say, you know what? You can't have a dream of that. Your kids, don't. they have to leave and then come back. No, they can grow up. They can love you. They can honor you throughout. It doesn't have to be like that. Now, some of us have experienced that. But the great thing even in there is that God is a restorer. So even if you've been there, it doesn't mean you have to go back. <laughs> you know, I think people are like, well, you know, you've got to go through certain things in your life. You've got to go without this. And, and you, you know, you just got to go party when you're in college and, and things like that. And I'm thinking, I've never been drunk and I've never smoked, even before I knew the Lord. Because, man, I was just having too much fun. <laughs> to stop and do that stuff. I mean, I literally, I just think back and I'm thinking, I didn't ever go to a party. 
I dragged a few friends out, you know, but things like that. Like I was just having so much fun. And when I got saved, I had so much, like, I just had Jesus all the time. Like I would sneak out to go to church. Like, Hey, tell my mom, I'm going to a party. You know, I'm going to church because the spirit of the Lord come on me there. How good is that? That's what you can have. It can be like, you know, I'm getting to church. I'm going to be in the presence of God. Nothing was more important. I'm just thinking about how I snuck out. I may or may not have involved my coaches and teachers. I may have had a little bit of manipulation. I was like, hey, will you lie for me and tell my mom that I have practice? Got the coaches on my side. That's probably. But you know what I mean? Like that's when you, when you, when you really experience the love of Christ in your life and it's not just something you do, but he is really living inside of you, nothing will stop you from getting to him. Now I look back and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, you know, brought you into this 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 lie but man what i received from from hearing the word of god in my life changed me forever i'll never i'll never be back where i was and as we get older it seems like we dream that less and less but if we really understood like when we accept christ if we really understood that promise you know, really the promises of God are just dreams he's put in us. It would be overwhelming to us, mind-blowing, if really all of the promises of God came on us. If we had every promise of a God, I don't even know if our physical body would be able to handle it. We would probably die in that presence of every promise of God in our life because the glory would just be too much for our physical body. Think about that. He said, hey, you're over every living thing. That's a lot of authority. Every living thing. That's a lot of authority. He said, you are the most powerful. You have all strength. You can live without corruption. You always have a hope and a future. Every single need is supplied. He, he specifically said every when he said he will supply all of your needs. All of them. Not not." one-third, not 25% or whatever, you know, not even 99%. He said all of your needs will be supplied. Overwhelming victory is yours. Peace in any circumstance. In the worst-looking circumstance, he said you can have peace. Those are just a few, but do you know there's over 3,500 promises? I gave you a teeny little handful. A little piece that can just fit on the top of a pin. And if I just had even half of the ones I said, my life would be awesome. But he said, all of them, thousands I gave to you. Because he came to reinstate everything. I'm going to read from you from Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Isaiah 53, I'm going to start in 4, and it says, The fact is, it was our suffering he took on himself. He bore our pain, but we thought that God was punishing him. That God was beating him for something he did. But he was being punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved, and this brought us peace. We were healed because of his pain. We had all wandered away like sheep. We had gone our own way, and yet the Lord put all our guilt 
on him. God, even before Jesus came, God made a way back to the dream he put inside of us. He created that ultimate sacrifice on Calvary, and Jesus took back the keys of hell. He broke every curse. Any curse, when you hear, oh, well, there's this generational curse, or there's this thing, he said every single curse. Every single curse was broken, and he redeemed all of mankind through Christ. Mm. Some really amazing things happened. Um, so if you're like, well, I don't, if, if people are like, I don't know if I really believe he is the Christ. There's people that have, have said that, like, well, I, I've seen, you know, what he's done. It's, it's been recorded in history books, including, you know, and the Bible. But when we look at the physical things that happened um, when Jesus died on the cross, in Matthew 27, I'm going to be kind of jumping around here, but it says, For three hours, beginning at noon, darkness came over the earth. At three o'clock... Jesus shouted with a mighty voice, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Jesus passionately cried out. He took his last breath and he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook violently. Rocks were split apart and graves were opened. Now in the Roman military, we're talking the people that are like, You are not Jesus. There is no proof. You are just a man. They did not have any belief, not even a smidge of faith in him. When they saw and witnessed what had happened and felt the powerful earthquake, they were extremely terrified, and they said, There is no doubt that man was the Son of God. (laughs) No doubt. I mean, they're probably thinking, Who do I go to to find out about this man because I just witnessed this? These were unbelievers. These were not people that knew all the stories, that walked with Jesus, that saw miracles. These were people that had never seen anything but just being in the presence when Jesus went to the cross and died. They saw the power, the full power of God manifest. They saw miracles, the miracles surrounding Calvary. Do you guys understand? There not just was one miracle that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. We all know that miracle, but what physically happened on the earth There was three things that happened in that passage. First, there was three hours of darkness starting at noon. This wasn't an eclipse that lasted 20 minutes. We're talking dark. They'd never seen, I I mean, the the earth, you know, it's a few years old, and they've never had eclipses. You know, people try to reason that away. I don't know of an eclipse that lasts complete darkness for three hours. Noon to three o'clock. At three o'clock, that's definitely a miracle. I mean, coincidence. This man saying, you know, he's the son of God, darkness falls over the land. Then the veil was torn. I love this one. Because people think like a wedding veil. That's easy to tear that, man. Like you might catch your ring and it rips in half. But do we understand this veil was torn at the moment that Jesus died. This veil was six feet tall to go into. It was 36 feet wide. And you know, it's not like the thickness of your clothes. It was the thickness of a man's hand. I can barely, I can't even, sometimes I put a couple pieces of paper together and it's hard to to tear it. The thickness cloth is thick as your hand. 
tore in two from top to bottom. That's a miracle. Then the earth quaked. And I know we've had earthquakes, but because of the timing, it was evident that God made known his presence on earth. Now, if you go back to Matthew 27, you know, it's not as warm feely when you, when you read this part, but it said the ground shook and the graves were open. Do you know what happened? The people in the graves actually got up and began to walk around. Did you read that part in the Bible? No, we don't want to say that part because that's, that's pretty amazing. But it's in God's word. The graves were open and they began to walk around. Matthew 27. Go seek it out. Because there's pieces that we like to share. But I think that's probably why they were terrified. Could you imagine? I'd be terrified. Zombie apocalypse, what's happening? You know, I've seen earthquakes. I have not seen earthquakes where people get out of their graves and begin to walk around. I'm pretty sure those Roman soldiers are like, where's that Peter guy? Get him over here. Peter! Peter, I need you right now. Right? They weren't looking for the, they probably weren't looking for the disciples, you know, to, to crucify him with them by that time. They were looking for the disciples to be like, keep me, there's like a lot of dead people out here walking around. And it's freaking me out. That would be terrifying to me. You guys, I'm terrified of zombie movies, Okay. <laughs> So when people are like, oh, it's just like an earthquake. Mm, Earthquake with the full power of God behind it looks a little bit different. So when we try to reason it away, those are some pretty big things. There wasn't an eclipse. They weren't, you know, ripping some little chiffon thing. You know, zombies were popping out of the ground, okay? That's, That's God. I can't do that. You know, I don't go and stand up, you know, in the cemetery and think, oh, I'm going to do... No, because, you know, I'm not the son of God. Jesus was the son of God, and God was like, I am shaking it up. Because all things past and future, I am sending my son to be the final sacrifice. You guys, that is so... When I look at that and I'm thinking, if we saw that now, could you imagine... You could, you could get the entire earth saved and to know Jesus it, because of the media we have. Could you imagine how that spread? And all they had is just the people that were there that were able to spread about it and share about it. And it's, and it's continuing. These were significant things that could not be reasoned away. They were miracles. That's miraculous to me. I don't know about you, but that's pretty miraculous. Sometimes I just look at the sun in the morning and I'm like, miraculous look at this you know when I had my children I'm like this is a miracle and that can even be shown all the way through science how a baby grows and all that but I'm still like this is a miracle unless you haven't when a man tells me oh that's not a miracle I'm like shut your mouth that is a miracle (laughs) right so we this that's that's miraculous all of those things were amazing because Christ was born of a virgin he knew no sin and he became sin for us, went to this cross, he died so that we could have back our dreams and our hopes and our future and an eternity before we even chose him. He's like, I, don't, I know these people probably aren't going to choose me and I'm still going to do that for him. He bore all of our sin, 
all of our sickness. He, he bore our final death. He went to hell. He claimed those keys. He paid our ransom so that we could be reconciled to our creator fully. He paid for us to dream and have a destiny that didn't end in death and destruction. Sometimes we look at people and be like, that's a scary road you're going down. And Christ is like, that was a scary road you all were going down. But I changed your path. I changed your destiny. It doesn't end in destruction anymore. In Luke 24, it says, Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb. See, I think women should be preaching on on Easter. Right? Come on, because you know what? Who got to see it first? The women went to the tomb. They made their way, carrying the spices they had prepared. So he had three women go, and it was his mom and Mary Magdalene and another one, some people call her Joanna, or another name for Mary. Arriving in the tomb, they discovered this huge stone covering the entrance. And when they mean huge, they mean like, there's a lot of soldiers there because it took probably a ton of them to put in place. Covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so they went in to look. But the tomb was empty, and the body of Jesus was gone. They stood there a little stunned, like, okay, what's going on? Perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the woman fell to the ground on their face. I mean, after you had seen what happened on the mountain, and you know, with the cross, you were probably like, man, I don't know what's coming next. I have seen some things. And the men in white said to them, Why would you be looking for the living one in a tomb? Mm, They brought it. Said, He's not here, for he has risen. Come on. I just like, because he's, you know, the obvious. Like, why are you looking for him here? What are you doing? Have you read, you know, like, all the other books in the Bible, you know, you've had. You've had Isaiah, you know, you had Jesus. All of these women, they, it's not like they didn't know. They knew Jesus. They spent time with him. I mean, his mother, I mean, she bore him. Even then they were still like, okay, what's going on? But he's like, why are you looking for him? Because he's risen. What if we really believe that? What if we really believe that? What if we really believe that Christ was risen every day? What if we really believe that? What would our lives really look like? If we actually didn't just believe it in here and here, but it actually came out. Don't answer that. In Ephesians 1, 18, it says, I pray that the God of light will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. Bring him back some dreaming. Flooding you, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. 
This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, no one in this age, but in the age that is coming. That's you. So that's what, he, that's, what, that's what was spoken over you. That's a promise. He's like, I want to give you back your dreams so much that your life, every fiber of your body, every, every piece of who you are, represents Christ so well that you are a walking advertisement. You don't have to tell anybody, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church. You want to come to church with me? People will look at you and be like, they are a believer. I know that they understand community. I know that they have the truth inside of them without you saying anything. But every area, I don't mean just here on Sundays, but I mean at your home and your job, that every area of your life, you are a walking advertisement for salvation, for Jesus to come into the kingdom. If people don't experience the power just by knowing you, if, it, if your life continually looks more like hell than heaven, it's time to change some things. Guys, we can't just come to church and feel good. We have to say, God, why are you bringing us together? What do we have? What things do you want to change so that I can actually go out and reach the lost and quit coming in and just getting for myself, right? It feels great when the Spirit of God moves on me. It feels great when God blesses me. It feels great to be in his presence. But what about the people who aren't living that? What about the people who aren't experiencing that? What about the people who are in your life that need that touch of God? That's what he's talking about, being an advertisement. We don't have to be perfect. That's not what he's talking about. He's like that if inside of you, that's so much that it comes out. Because the life that we're living now, this middle part between being born and dying, whether we go to heaven or not, we've got to choose, you know, in Christ. But this time in between, what happens is everything's going to pass away here. Everything. Your kids are going to grow up. I didn't believe that when people told me when they were two. Right? If, when they're two, you feel like they're never going to grow up. Like, they're going to make messes forever. But, like, I looked at my life, and I'm like, I got two more years. Two more years, and my first one graduates. Like, how can I convince her to live, like, close to me and stay with me? You start thinking, like, I got to do this. I got to go here. Because they're going to grow up. They're going to have their own life. All this running around, all the things that were like, we got to do this, and they got to be the top at this. And, and we didn't really spend time knowing them and loving them. And we didn't, we didn't pass on that generation of, in Christ, everything is complete. What happens is they grow up and we realize all those things I did, having them in every single thing, getting them everything they want, it doesn't matter now, does it? Busyness in our youth gets old. I used to go to my grandma's and I'm thinking, like, you have everything. Why are you, like, folding the same baggie and putting it in your drawer, right? 
because the things that we, we want to look nice and have this and have all these things and, and do all of, all of, you know, make it just look perfect, you realize as you get older that stuff doesn't matter. Hey, when are my kids coming over? My grandma, the, she's like, I got to go to church. I want to be involved in my community. You know, I want my kids to come over. When are you going to come see me? Let's get together. Because you start realizing all the things that you are doing, all the clubs, all of that. And those things are good. I'm, those are good. I think it's great to have your kids and you and do activities and stuff like God wants you to enjoy life, okay? What I'm saying is when we do those and we think that they take precedence over God, take precedence over Jesus, that's when we get to the age and we realize that stuff didn't matter. I want it to be that my kids just love being with me because even when you put Jesus in his rightful place, everything around you, even when you're in the hardest circumstances, even when you're struggling and you might be going through that your kids are out of control or your marriage is, is having trouble or you know what, you got fired from work or you've been sick or you've had relationships in the past that just seem to, you know, be crumbling and, you know, moving into your current relationships. Even with the hardest moments when you have Jesus, joy will seep in. It's just something that happens when you walk with him daily and you have him in your life and he's not just sitting next to you and whenever you want him, you take him out of that box and he can come with you. But when he's living inside of you, even in those worst moments, joy can come out. You guys, I'm in labor with my child. They're telling me she's probably going to die because her heart rate's thick. And I'm literally just laughing and having fun and playing jokes. Sorry, I'm doing that with the mic. Um, Because... The joy of the Lord was in there, and I already knew the promise I had with God. Okay? So, you got to look at it like that, that even in the worst situations, if you have Jesus, and he is in the rightful place, joy will seep in. Busyness, you know, devil wants to keep you busy. Because if you actually got unbusy and you put Christ where he belongs, everything you're doing, you would accomplish so much more in every area of your life. That's so, think about that. We think we're so busy. When people tell me they're busy, I think, you don't have Christ. Because when, when you're busy in Christ, he always, he always seems to open it up. He always seems to give you like, you know, supernatural revelation, how to fit these things in, how to include these people, and, and how to get time with him. My mom always said to me, and she said, if you want someone to do something, if you want to get it done, ask a busy person, like an actual busy person that has a lot on their plate, not people who put stuff on their plate and just are not great at time management. She's like, the people who are actually doing things, they'll do more. So think about where you want to be busy in. Christ said he wanted to be exalted over everything, to be first in our thoughts, our choices, our actions, Nothing would take precedence over him. He did that for you, not to rule over you. He did that for you so that you could have freedom. And sometimes 
I've been there. I forgot about that. I think sometimes we forget that Christ didn't die on the cross so that he could be like, now you come unto me, put, you know, I need to be first in your life and give your life to me, you know, because I did this for you. That's not why he did it. He said, give your life to me because I have all wisdom. I have all authority. I have all understanding. And I want to give that to you. That's why he did that. Not to control us, to set us free. So when we have full church on Easter and then it's empty the next week, don't go back to that busyness. Everyone, everyone is busy in their own way. Some people are busy playing video games all day. <laughs> I mean, you are busy. You're doing something, right? Some people are busy with two or three jobs or, you know, some people, you know, are busy, you know, on social media. You're still busy. You're still doing something. But what we choose to be busy in, when we put Christ in that spot and everything else we do, you know, our job and, and um, you know, our hobbies and stuff, we receive the benefit of Christ. It just seems like this got easier. I don't want to punch a card, you know, and just be like, well, I got this done. Because when we do that, we're, we don't realize that we're actually denying ourselves everything Christ gave us. Our hope, our destiny, our peace, our power. You know, he gave us wisdom. He gave us community. When we feel like God is something we have to just you know, do and we can punch it off or, or mark it off our list for the week or the day, that's when we begin to realize that we've kind of lost our dreams and our hope that, you know, I just got to get through this. Got to get through this. Check off the things and I'll start it again tomorrow. Christ, like, I don't want you to get through it. I want you to experience the power um, that I have and you have through me. I was sharing, like, some things that God had done or some things I had experienced. And people are like, wow, that's like, I never knew that. That's crazy. That's awesome. And I'm thinking, you know what? I've, I kind of went into a little spot in my life where I was comfortable and I just was like, it's me and you, Jesus. Let's just hang out. And I forgot that Jesus is also super powerful. And he's going to do things that mess up our perfect little lives the way we want them. And they're going to look weird and odd and different at times. And they're going to be miraculous. That's what I want. That's what I want to be w- busy with. I want to be busy with, with the people that God puts in my life to help them walk out the messes and to help them, you know, get set free and to, to come into that healing process and be whole. And I want them to be able to do that. That's why I want Jesus to be first. He died on the cross for me. I'm not going to let that be in vain. I'm not going to let that just be a thing that we do once a year and honor it. I want it to be honored every day. And to honor that every day, I have to put him first every day. I have to put him in that spot as a risen king on his throne. Giving Christ our lives 24-7, 365, everything, all to him. Because his ways are kinder. We are kinder when we're in his presence. We're gentler. You know, there's always peace among the chaos in his presence. There's freedom 100%. 
He gave us our that he gave us his word. He went to heaven, but he gave us God gave us his word because he said, "This is like your cheat sheet for life. You don't have to go through all of this." He said, "Here's the answers. Here's the wisdom. Here's the promises." It wasn't a correction book. He wasn't doing it and saying, if you don't check off all of these things, these bad things are going to happen to you. No, he's like, hey, there's answers in here. I hid them for you. We do that on Easter. We hide the eggs for kids, right? We don't hide them and we don't like, we don't put garbage in them and then hide them so they can't camouflage them and be like, I hope the kids never find these little brats. You know, no, we don't do that. But we think God does that to us. And he said, I hide it in my word for you. And when we are going through God's word and we're growing and we're getting fresh revelation, it's like parents watching their kids go on that Easter egg hunt, right? And we're like, they're almost there. They're going to get it. Wait till they open that. Wait till they see what is inside that promise. That's what he did for us. That's what he did for us.